Hey, how's it going? My name is Jason Lee, and I'll be doing today's devotion on the end of John chapter 12 for Wednesday of Holy Week. For those of you that don't know me, my wife Grace and I have two kids, Eden and Jesse, and we've been part of the Door of Hope family for the last seven years, ever since we moved to Portland. We live in Southeast, but we are so happy to call this Northeast family our home within the wider Door of Hope community. So I'm going to start reading John chapter 12, verses 44 to 50. Then Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. So here we have Jesus' last words to the open public before he isolates himself with the disciples. A few verses before this passage, um, if you read, several Jewish leaders believed in Jesus' words and his identity with God, but they could not submit to him. They were afraid of the Pharisees and the loss of their status with the synagogue. So right after I read something like that, my own logic as a reader 2,000 years later uh, makes it easy for me to judge these witnesses of Jesus. I forget that I do this all the time when I hear something on the news and I'm like, wow, really? That's pretty dumb. Why did this person think this was a good idea? Uh, has this person not received the news of the very same situation last month and the consequences that came with that? Uh, but what I need to check and, and look at myself and take notice is that in these situations, I put myself above that person because their moral standard doesn't live up to mine. Now, while their mistake is being publicly exposed, I have my own sin that's being managed behind the curtain. Well, doesn't a lot of our sin start closed? And it's not until it gets really horrible that it comes to light for others to see. Well, this passage has made me think a lot about my personal reaction when God exposes my sin. My shortcomings are either realized mid-moment or when I witness the effect of my behavior. When I look at the state of others, like my kids or my wife and, and the, the attitude of my heart at that point. And when most people get caught by their mistakes, there is the tendency to deny they're at fault. Or we often hear uh, maybe from our peers that, you know, they admit that they're flawed, but they're still a good person overall. Uh, I mean, I remember when I claimed back in the day, many half-truths to keep my image intact. 
And when that standard becomes my road, that's when my own righteousness becomes my darkness. The scariest thing we see in the Bible is when God hands someone over to sin, when they are comfortable with their own darkness and they no longer see anything wrong with sin. Uh, Jesus talks about light to Nicodemus in, in John chapter 1. And he says this, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. And as it also says in Luke 12, verse 2, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. So either way, whether we walk into light or try to hide from it, everything about us will be exposed. The question is then, how do I respond when I encounter the living God? Am I hiding? Am I ever actively seeking? What's my view of him? In verse 47, 48 of John 12, I focus on that word judge. I don't know about you, but the thought of a judge is pretty grim. It's pretty intimidating. My brain defaults to my natural affection for bad movies, so my first thought goes to something ridiculous like uh, Judge Dredd with Sylvester Stallone, uh, the one in the 90s. Uh, for those of you who don't know the comic or the movie, Judge Dredd is, uh, he's the main character of this, what they call street judges, and in a city within total chaos, and he operates as a police officer. But not only that, he's also the judge and executioner. He is a man who lives completely by the law and makes his judgment on people without any mercy. So as you can imagine, like any uh, Sylvester Stallone 80s or 90s movie, there's a lot of gunfights going on. But to move ahead from the, the silliness of that uh, thought on the word judge in some way Judge Dredd kind of carries that similar kind of stark persona that today's judges kind of carries too like the black attire or that gavel that just kind of rings the, the last sentence um, kind of the emotionless space while they make these objective statements and what they're doing is announcing uh, their determination of a very important outcome of someone's life. In the early parts of my faith, I was cool with the warm vibes I get with seeing Jesus as light and saving the world. But the thought of him as judge, that isn't the restful and loving idea that I gathered from other parts of the Bible. But I later realized that through other sermons and from others who spoke into my life, how could I possibly reject the idea of a divine judge 
while there's so much injustice happening, I know I'm not the proper judge. And I know just looking out my window and those on TV, those are making their own judgments. So how can there be any explanation for saying that my truth is better than someone else's truth or maybe our group of, you know, common truths is better than that extremist group's truth. How could that all be true when there's no judge at all? There has to be a judge. And that's what I needed to to realize and, and accept that not only do we need a judge, but we need a judgment day. Because without them, we would have no hope. Evil and sin would continue to infect us. The last thing I want to mention in in this devotion, and, and it's more of an encouragement to anyone listening, is to reflect on how you respond to difficult people. How do you respond to difficult issues or events happening around you? The essence of 2020 and 2021, um, for all the, the messiness and, and chaos happening, it isn't the essence of isn't so different from the challenges that we read in the Bible. But what I want to ask is, what is your heart's posture when you see this form of chaos and tragedy and injustice in your own neighborhood, in your own state or country or in the world? Now, I confess that I find myself numbing out and shutting down most of the time because I, yeah, I'm just so tired of hearing the same thing happening over and over again. If not one people group, then another. And that's when I kind of spiral into that loss of hope and the last losing my grasp of, of Christ. Uh, Cameron, he reached out to me immediately um, to ask how I was doing after the Atlanta shooting earlier uh, this March. And unlike some of my Asian American family members or my Asian American friends, I was not shocked and I was not angry. But I was numb and I couldn't process my emotions fully to express back to Cameron. Even though he showed this full concern, uh, I was just kind of like, yeah, everything's fine right now. Um, And as I was processing and looking through my social feeds and seeing my non-Christian Asian American friends and they would make their angry posts and conclusions about the shooter or attack the dialogue about the shooter or shootings in general, or maybe pointing out historical misrepresentations of Asians and other issues at hand. And yeah, I agree with a lot of those valid points, seeing some of them in my own life living as an Asian American. But why don't we, especially as Christians, address the core sin that's happening behind all of these issues. We're just so willing to refuse grace towards others, and we often find ourselves abusing it for ourselves. I, it, I find it easy for me to scoff at what others 
believe, um, think they may be incompetent or insufficient or ignorant just based on my own wisdom or kind of knowledge that I've accrued. And there are people living in this country who truly believe that another person's life is meaningless and worth taking away based on their beliefs or their background or their culture. And while this commonly gets played over and over again, what I need to continually ask myself is that am I also diminishing this person's humanity? Am I refusing grace for that person and abusing it for myself? Am I closing people out because of my belief of their actions? Well, praise God that he doesn't close himself off to us. I have to remember that the judgment I deserve was already done on the cross. The injustice or the justice over all humanity was made complete by God's mercy. So I pray that we receive God's courage to give mercy to someone despite their opinions and that we're able to call each other out in love. Um, consequences will deal out in their own way, but God wants our hearts ultimately. And Jesus has no longer left us in our darkness. Um, to a close, I want to share a prayer. And this prayer was written by a Catholic bishop that was included to reflect on the martyrdom of Oscar Romero. And he was a Catholic priest who was assassinated back in 1980 for speaking out against poverty, murder and torture between the government and radical groups. And yeah, I just want to share this and and help us reflect on that there's something greater than just all of these circumstances happening. Um, so yeah, let's pray. It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith no confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces effects far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something, and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and to do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are the workers, not master builders. 
ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future that is not our own. Amen.